Would you give a hearty welcome to Adam? Thank you. I happen, Thanks, Randy. I happen to be privy to some of the things he's going to say today, and I think uh, prepare your heart to hear God's word for you. It's going to be good. Thank you. Well, uh, as Randy was going through the community notes, I was deleting some stuff. So I hope it wasn't the good things. All right. Well, as Randy said, uh, my name is Adam Casel. I'm the vision and administration pastor here on staff. Have you ever had the experience where you started uh, or you joined a story partway through? Maybe you're watching a TV show, a, a movie, somebody's telling a story to a group of friends, you come in partway through, and instantly you've got a bunch of questions. Who is that person? Why are they saying that? What are they doing? What, you're, you've got a litany of questions in your mind trying to catch up to understand what's going on. Now, at the same time, especially if we're reading a story or watching a, a show or a movie, we're, asking, we're not asking the questions the storyteller wants us to ask, right? Because we're so caught up in trying to figure out what's going on. Have you ever uh, skipped a movie in a series of movies and then realize it partway into the, the next one. I'm not going to tell you who, but there's a couple I know. Uh, I'm not going to tell on my in-laws. But they went, they saw Avengers Endgame, and about 15 to 20 minutes in, they realized they hadn't seen Infinity War. That's a big gap in the story. Often it can happen to us if we're streaming a series. We skip an episode. We're like, wait, I don't remember that happening. What's going on? Right, A good storyteller... We'll recap what's happened in the story. We, one of our favorite shows was This Is Us. You remember how they started previously on This, this Is Us. They're, they're calling back from previous seasons what happened with Beth. So you know, oh, we're going to advance Beth's story this week. Well, the same thing happens with the Bible. The Bible is actually one big story. And when I realized that uh, after several years of, of walking with Jesus and learning different practices, it opened up the Bible to me in a new way. Because a big question uh, that I ask myself is, where am I in the story? The Bible has all the elements of a great story. There's a clear hero, a clear villain. There's tension. There's conflict. There's resolution. And ultimately, there's a conclusion. Much of the Bible is a story because stories are powerful. Stories impact us more than, than propositions and statistics. That's why testimonies, when we hear testimonies of what God is doing in somebody's life, resonates with us because it's a story. That's why we also have to be careful of hearing anecdotal evidence because it may not be in, align, in alignment with the truth, but the story can be really powerful and we can hold to it as, as if it's true. If, uh, you know, there was a re certain restaurant that hands down has won all the awards in Indianapolis as the best restaurant. If you go to that restaurant and you have a bad experience, your story is going to outweigh all the other awards. You're going to say, it's not that great. English philosopher G.K. Chesterton had this quote, I had always felt life first as a story. And if it is a story, there is a storyteller. As followers of Jesus, as, as humans, we're invited to be part of the greatest story ever told, God's story. 
Now, at the same time, there are competing stories. And often, or at times, if we're honest, they can be more appealing to us than God's story. We all have moments where there's these competing stories, these, what I'll say, are false narratives that can be more appealing to us than God's story. Today is the first Sunday of Lent. And the Lenten season, not Lentil, Lenten season, is a time of reflection and preparation for celebrating our Lord's crucifixion and resurrection. Lent is a way of us participating in the story. It's a time for us of examining what story are we actually living into more. Is it God's story or is it one of these other false narratives that has a particular appeal to us? It helps us to see where we're in line with God's story and where we're out of line. And the passage we're going to look at this morning is a clash between these two stories and of which one are we a part of. We're going to look at Jesus' temptation in the wilderness. If you have a Bible with you, uh, turn with me to Matthew uh, chapter 4. It is going to be up on the screen. We have Bibles up front on these subwoofers if, if you need one. Um, but Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Matthew writes, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Then the tempter approached him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. He answered, It is written, Man must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He will give his angels orders concerning you, and they will support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus told him, It is also written, Do not test the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, I will give you all these things if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus told him, go away, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him and angels came and began to serve him. Let's pray. Jesus, uh, we, we praise you for being the one uh, who came, that you came and became one of us, lived among us. Uh, you encountered these temptations from the enemy, and you resisted them. And we are thankful for your life, uh, your sacrifice, your resurrection, and your Holy Spirit. And we ask, Holy Spirit, open our hearts, and our minds to receive what you have for us this morning. Amen. So this morning, what I want us to remember is that Jesus' wilderness test showed that he is the, the remedy to the false stories that we believe. So again, Jesus' wilderness test showed that he's the remedy to the false stories that we can believe. And we're going to see that by looking at uh, Jesus' temptations and then asking the question, 
What story are we living? So first, Jesus' temptations. Now, to remind ourselves where we are in the story, this is on the heels of Jesus' baptism. Matthew says he was led by the Spirit to be tempted. That caused me to ask the deep question, what? The Holy Spirit leads Jesus to be tempted by the devil. Now, these temptations weren't because of a flaw in Jesus or because he's in the wrong place at the wrong time. It was actually God's plan for him. It's also important because a good story has to have conflict. Here we get to see, for, for the first time, the hero versus the antagonist. That was not the first time we've met the antagonist in the, in the bigger story, but in this passage, he's called by three names. He's called the devil four times, he's called Satan once, and he's called the tempter one time. Those are all uh, loaded terms, but, but to summarize, they're, they're titles. Each of these are a title, and in fact, Satan is, is a title but Jesus sees him as so encompassing this, this title of being an accuser that Jesus gives him his name. That's what he calls him, like it's his name. So Jesus has fasted 40 days and 40 nights. The New Living Translation <laughs> emphasizes he became very hungry. Duh, right? Like Matthew's not, he's not Captain Obvious, but I think he's actually, he's showing Jesus' humanity and vulnerability in this time. How often do we use our creatureliness to justify behaviors? Have you ever excused something or tried to, or part of your apology is, I'm sorry, I snapped, I was hungry. I'm sorry, I don't have time to listen to your problems right now. I'm really tired. I'm sorry, I can't do that. I'm really stressed. Or we find somebody else to blame. If that person had just fill in the blank, then I wouldn't have fill in the blank. I know none of us here do this, but we all know somebody who does. So, you know, pray for them. (laughs) Now, because we're human, these are real factors. They're not excuses or reasons, though. They're real factors, but they're not an excuse. So part of the reason if you ever engage in the practice of fasting, that all your flaws start coming to the surface because we don't have food to numb us. If you've ever kept vigil, intentionally uh, sacrificing sleep to, to pray or to worship, same thing. Our, our flaws start coming to the surface. The enemy doesn't have to use that as spiritual warfare because it's just our character flaws that are being revealed. How often do we say, don't talk to me till I've had my morning coffee, until I've had my breakfast, or until I've had a solid six hours without interacting with another human? I'm guilty of all three. Jesus is very vulnerable in this moment. He's hungry. And though the text doesn't say it, I'm going to guess he's probably tired. Have you ever tried to sleep when you're hungry? It's not easy. 
Now, what the enemy does here is he attacks Jesus's identity with three false narratives. I've, I've talked about these before, but we're going to do a little deeper dive. Uh, th- this comes from Henry Nouwen, uh, who is a, a Catholic priest and writer, uh, spiritual formation uh, guy, was, had amazing insights. So again, I'd said this, <clears throat> this is right after Jesus's baptism. This is one of the many places where the chapter and verse divisions aren't helpful, because I think what we're supposed to see, Jesus is baptized. And if you remember, what Jesus hears is, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And then immediately, Jesus is led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. Now, as we look at some of these things, a, a bit of insight that I think when God does some significant work in us in establishing who we are, the enemy wants to come in right away and start questioning that. So if you've ever had an experience where you had some healing or growth in an area, and then all of a sudden you start getting tempted there because the enemy wants to see, are you still susceptible? Now, there's three, three temptations. I'm going to tell you ahead of time, one of these three really resonates with you. One, now, all three in some, some level, but I think one is going to be stronger than another. The first temptation that the enemy brings to Jesus is essentially, I am what I do. Again, Jesus was hungry. But the enemy comes in, he says, if you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. So again, he's, the enemy is called into question what maybe four day, 40 days earlier, the father said, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Well, if you are the son, if you are God's son, turn these these rocks into bread. He's trying to get Jesus to question God's goodness. The temptation here is to ease our pain. The hunger pangs would have been real. Jesus is literally starving to death at this point. And there's a level of, it's bread. What's the big deal? It would have been nothing for Jesus to turn these rocks into bread. As, as we read the rest of the story, Jesus, he's going to raise people from the dead. He's going to cleanse lepers. Lame people are going to be able to walk. The blind are going to see, uh, you know, on and on. He's going to multiply fish and loaves thousands of times over. This is not a power move for Jesus. It'd be like me challenging Usain Bolt to a foot race, like, yeah, you're the fastest man who ever lived, but have you beaten me? <laughs> and yet, that's what the enemy is going after. Right? At the same time, it's not a sin to want provision. Right? The temptation was for Jesus to do something on his own, in his own timing. It calls to mind Abraham and Hagar. God promises Abraham a son. It's going to be through Sarah. They get tired of waiting. So it's like, well, maybe he meant through this slave girl and causes a whole lot of problems. Maybe at times we find ourselves like, you know, I know God said this, but I'm just going to help move things along. Maybe there's some heavenly bureaucratic red tape that's kind of caught up in. Now, the, the temptation of I am what I do is... Not necessarily meaning we're, we're susceptible to being a workaholic. 
Because being a workaholic is about motivation, not behavior. So one of the other two temptations could be the stronger temptation and us still be a workaholic. So some diagnostic questions. If, if you're not sure, is this the one I struggle with, here's some questions. What is something God said that he'll do that I'm trying to do on my own? What's something God has said he'll do that I'm trying to do on my own? A little more specifically, is there a situation I'm trying to control? Is there a situation that I'm trying to keep peace? Not make peace, that's different, but keep peace. Just keep everybody happy where they are. Is there a situation that I'm trying to fix? Or maybe a person that I'm trying to fix? Now, there may be action steps, but are they, are they your own or are they God's? The next temptation that the enemy comes to Jesus with is, I am what others say or think about me. Again, the enemy comes in and says, if you are the son of God, throw yourself off the temple because here, I'm going to quote the Bible to you. He's going to send angels and they're going to rescue you. You're not going to even strike a foot against the rocks. This is about receive the accolades that you're due. Jesus, if you're the son of God, everybody should be worshiping you. They should know it and worship you. For us, if, if we struggle with I am what I do, we may wonder, why can't others see my brilliance? Why don't they know how good I am? If we struggle with this, life is good when others are affirming me. And life is bad when I'm being criticized or not affirmed as much as I should be. So a diagnostic question of I am what others say about me. Are there certain individuals or groups that we want to know us and to speak well of us? Going a little further, am I looking for others to consider me helpful and lovable? Am I looking for others to admire me and see me as successful? Confession time, that's me. Am I looking for others to see me as special and unique? The third and final temptation the enemy brings in, I am what I have. Okay, so this temptation, interestingly enough, the, the enemy doesn't start with, if you are the son of God. It's just he brings him up to see all the kingdoms of the world at once. And he says, if you'll bow down and worship me, I'll give these to you. Jesus knows they're going to be his. And yet the enemy is using, using this, hey, bow down, worship me. You can have it now. Later on, Jesus will say, what does it benefit someone to gain the whole world and yet lose his life? Or other translations, his soul. We as followers 
of Jesus are invited to walk the path that, that he walked. And Jesus chose his soul over the whole world, meaning to have the world at that time. Have you ever noticed how a person, uh, person's challenge has more oomph when they've actually done it themselves? Like, hey, I used to be in that situation. I got out of it. Here's how. Versus, I don't do this, but I think you should. We also call that hypocrisy. Doesn't work very well. So if we struggle, if this temptation we're most susceptible to, the questions, the diagnostic questions are, what people or things bring us a sense of having the world? A little further, am I susceptible to collecting knowledge and or expertise? Am I susceptible to possessing secure relationships and stability? Am I susceptible to collecting and storing up new experiences? What areas of our lives do we say, I'll be content if or when, fill in the blank, when I get that degree, when I get that job or title, when this project that I'm on is completed? which sometimes that's seasonal, but if, if, if it's project after project after project and it's been going on for some time and there's no end in sight, there might be a bigger issue at hand there. Or if we say, if once I get this, make this amount of money, or once I get married or have kids, again, whatever it is, if there's a condition to our contentment, it's probably because we struggle with, I am what I have. Now, the other end of that is we can also find pride in what we don't have. Right? We can be proud that we don't need certain material items or relationships. I'm, I'm taking pride. I, I got Jesus. Also a time to repent Lent is also a time of us repenting of doing the right thing for the wrong reasons. Now, these are all common areas of temptation for all of us that the enemy wants to come to us. In Hebrews, the, the author of Hebrews says that we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. Now, thinking about that verse from Hebrews and this passage, well, I think the author is saying Jesus wasn't tempted in every single possible way that we could be, but largely these, these categories. Jesus has, has been approached by the enemy with all of these areas. Lent is a reminder that we're all susceptible to at least one of these areas of temptation in our lives. Our inability to remain 100% faithful to God means we're human. And we're in need of the one who could remain faithful in every area. We all fall to these temptations at some point. Now, last week, Randy mentioned about not putting ourselves in the story about and thinking about how we would respond. And he, uh, it's 
was with uh, Jesus' transfiguration and Peter and the way Peter responded and for us to put ourselves in there and think, oh, how would I respond? Now, this is not to contradict Randy because I think he would agree with me. (laughs) Pause for more tension. (laughs) Although I think there are times in the story that we're invited in to see ourselves and to realize where in the garden the man and the woman sinned, where Israel throughout their story fell short of remaining faithful, that we think, I wouldn't do that. We're being arrogant and prideful because we do that. To enter into this as we enter into this story, we realize that we would and do fall at those temptations. Those false stories become appealing to us at times, but there is a way out. It's through Jesus. So again, as I said at the beginning, Jesus' wilderness test showed that he's the remedy to the false stories that we believed. Jesus passed each temptation, and therefore, therefore he's now the remedy for what ails humanity. The other part of being the the remedy to these false stories we believe is it uh, leads us to the question, what story are we living? I mentioned at the beginning, there's false stories and there's God's story, the, the true story. So which one? Lent is not about a personal journey only. It's a collective journey. We're together, brothers and sisters in Christ, journeying to the cross, remembering what what Jesus did on our behalf. We all have differences in a, a variety of ways, but Lent reminds us that we all are in need of a Savior. Jesus went through the wilderness temptations and passed with flying colors something that we are not able to do on our own. So Lent is the invitation to trust what Jesus did on our behalf. We continue in the story that it's either all on us or it's all on Jesus. So what story do we want to live? Which one are we being pulled into? The one where I am what I do, I am what others say about me, or I am what I have, or do we want to join the story that says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me, because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls." Jesus can say that because he's carried that heavy burden for us. Each of these things, I am what I do, I am what others say about me, I am what I have, they will crush us. They will literally crush us. But Jesus' yoke is easy and his burden is light. There is a way out of those temptations. That's not to say that we'll reach a point where they never come, but they can start to lose their appeal. And Jesus is our refuge as we're being buffeted by the enemy. 
reminded again and again, you are what you do. You are what others say about you. You are what you have. He's going to keep coming and coming and coming. And Jesus is our refuge. But friends, we can gain victory because of Jesus, because of grace, over the enemy. He's not going to stop tempting us. He's going to find new ways once he realizes something's not working. So Lent, again, is a time of reflection on our own humanity and the need of a Savior. So I want to give a couple of practices for us. Well, one practice, depending on which question you realize is the biggest temptation to you. So as a part of living in God's story, we engage in practices that open us up to grace and quiet us long enough to be able to hear from the Holy Spirit. So if you're feeling the pain of one of these temptations, here's a practice to help bring us into alignment with God's story. Now, it's actually one practice with sort of three different emphases depending on what we struggle with. These are great Lenten practices because it's a a time of laying something down for, for a while. And here's a tip. The one that you need is the one that's hardest to do. So there's two that are like, oh, I could do those two. That's not the one you need. Sorry. Do those, but do the third one. So if the big temptation is I am what I do, the practice is stillness. It's a time to sit and to remember I don't run the world. Where there needs to be justice, God will bring it. It's the reminder that God can give me and others peace. I don't have to bring it to others. Or it's not my job to fix all the problems that I'm aware of. I'm not perfect. Only God is. If the, the temptation is, I am what others say about me, we need solitude. It's a time for us to, re, to allow myself to receive God's love by just being. Not in meeting others' needs. It's the reminder that my value comes from being a person, not being admired or getting what I want from others. It also allows us to know that God sees and appreciates me. I don't need others to do that. If we struggle with, I am what I have, the practice is silence. I don't have to know it all. God does, and he's in charge. I don't have to have everything completely secure because God is my security. He knows and he can provide in every possible scenario. It also reminds us I don't constantly have to have new experiences. 
the depth of who God is brings all the experience that I need. So Jesus's wilderness test, again, showed that he's the remedy to the false stories that we believe. Jesus encountered the three temptations that are common to all of us. Again, one of these stands out more to us than the others. And during this Lenten season, we get a chance to ask ourselves, what story am I believing? What story am I I living out? Is it God's story? Or is it one of these other stories about what I do, what I have, what others say about me? And because we're going to have the prayer room open for, as Randy said, over 740 hours, take an hour and do one of these practices. And then after five minutes, if you can last that long, there's other that you can worship, you can pray, you can do other things. But just, I think it was also G.K. Chesterton who said, anything worth doing is worth doing poorly until you do it well. And so one of these areas, these practices are going to be hard. You're going to be like Bambi on the ice. Your legs are going four different directions. But eventually, eventually you'll start getting a little more comfortable with it. Lent's a great season to be able to engage in these practices. Uh, Any ministry team members who are here, if you could come forward. Wesley, if you could come up and play. As we do each week, we're going to go into a, a ministry time. Um, we've got a, a few things. First, because it's perfectly in line with this season, is an opportunity to repent. That, that word can almost be like a, a swear word, but it's a, repentance is a glorious invitation. Just turn from a way of doing things my own way to join God in what he's doing. And so as I was going through some of those questions, these different temptations, if one hit in a way that hurts, that caused a loving wound, well, there's an even more loving salve available in Jesus. So I'd invite you to come forward and and to pray with one of these Uh, ministry team members, even if it's, you're realizing, I don't know Jesus. These folks would love to to pray with you because we can't do it on our own. There's some area of your your life that you want to turn from doing things your own way. These folks would love to pray with you and for you. We also have our personal prayer art. That's a great way to receive a, a prophetic word through a picture um, they'll be over there during ministry time and even, even after if you, if you want to do that. Um, I think Randy's got one or two. Their word. Um, someone during worship came and said they felt like that God was um, speaking against the spirit of suicide and breaking the power of that spirit of suicide. And as I was listening to Adam, I just thought it's possible that you identified with one of those temptations and you realize as much as I invest in that, it doesn't work result of that is despair and I think the Lord wants to invite you if that's you to come up and confess repent and let that be broken 
so that you can identify with the healing salve of Jesus. So um, anyone on the ministry team can pray for that or maybe the person you came with. Thanks, Randy. So if any of those resonate, please come forward and, and get prayer. There's nothing magical about coming up front, but I think there's something about God meeting us as we take a step toward him, as we physically step toward uh, these ministry team, these ministry teams, that God meets us uh, in, the, in the midst of that. So, um, so <clears throat> invite you, if there's any other needs, physical, mental, emotional, please uh, come, get, come get prayer. Yeah, come on, Dave. So for those who don't know, this is Dave Anderson. Good morning. I don't know if I'm going to be able to talk, but I just want to say that I believe in the power of prayer because I felt your prayer so strongly in this past uh, couple weeks. It's been... Uh, on the 13th of February, well, actually prior to that, for about two months, I was having some neurological issues and having trouble getting into the right doctor and seeing the right person. And uh, finally got into a, a doctor that, after an hour discussion in his office, uh, set me up for an MRI on Monday, the 13th of February. So after that, visit. Of course, I just drove up there myself, and I said, yeah, this is going to maybe rule something out. And uh, went straight from there, after they got the results, to St. Vincent Hospital on 86th Street for surgery and um, on my brain. Fortunately, they didn't do the, the lobotomy, but that's... Um, <laughs> but things went really well but it was it was so great to have elders and Randy that came to visit me that Monday night when we're kind of unsure as what's going on what's what's happening and uh, fearful but after their visit you know just a peace came over us we had a real peace about the whole thing and I had surgery on that Tuesday morning and then had another procedure on Thursday and then on Friday afternoon, I was ready to go home. So it's been a wild wind of a, of a walk. And I just wanted to say that I just felt your prayer so strongly. And this isn't the first healing I've seen leaving this church. So I just want to praise God and give him the glory for what, what he did. Thank you. Thanks, Dave. <clears throat> yeah, that's amazing. So if you feel like you don't have the faith right now for, for what you need God to do, leverage the faith of these people standing up here. Leverage their faith to pray for you and, and, and to stand with you. If you need to go uh, pick up kids, you're, you're dismissed to do so. Please, please, actually, if you have kids in children's ministry, go do that. Um, our ministry teams will be here. 
Uh, Wesley will continue playing. Uh, feel free to hang out. Um, if you need to go, go in peace, love, and serve the world. <laughs>